0: Accountants, it's time to make it count. My name is Freddie Bennett, former accounting industry executive turned entrepreneur, business owner, changemaker and Guinness World Record holder. In each episode, we bring you the powerhouses from across the accounting world to help you discover how to unlock endless possibilities, turbocharge your accounting practice and make it count in business and in life. Thank you for showing up for yourself today. Now, let's dive into another unmissable episode of Make It Count. Welcome to another fabulous episode of Make It Count. And today, folks, I have got a real treat for you. I I'm super excited about this episode. We have a true legend of the accounting industry here on Make It Count today. He has a chartered accountancy background. He is a business owner, and most powerfully right now, he is the growth and relationship manager at Connect Outsourcing. I can feel it. I know this is gonna be a good one. I am delighted to welcome to the show mr barry white barry welcome to make it count
1: thanks freddie appreciate that i don't know about being a legend or maybe not for all the right reasons so sort of, <laughs> that yeah, makes you even
0: more, more like... of a legend barry many are called <laughs> but few are chosen <laughs> what do they say hang
1: like einstein brains of a horse but,
0: uh... <laughs> well barry it's great but, to have you here for, for anyone that, that that hasn't heard about yourself or or connect outsourcing Tell us some more about yourself and, and and what you do in the role.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I guess a bit of background. Um, I was born in uh, in rural Waikato, Fred Dagg version of B. I was born on a gumboat on the back of a tractor, but uh, it wouldn't be quite accurate. But uh, we moved to Thames on the Coromandel early on, Yeah, which was where I grew up, and it was a wonderful place to grow up, you know, and uh, got to develop a love of... Uh, our, our coastline and, and bush and and uh the great outdoors so that was pretty cool i got into accounting because um I was kind of thinking about getting married, and that was a, a career that was making money. And the the one the career path I thought I was going to take ended up being a whole bunch of red tape. So dealing with a bunch of bureaucracy wasn't really my thing. So
0: I was going to make comments about marriage there, Barry, in terms of, of red tape and bureaucracy. But um I, the, <laughs> the show's going well. I don't want to get cancelled just yet, so I'll uh, I'll keep that one to myself for now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I was going to do town planning because I had um, visions of you know being able to design towns and cities because that's how children think. Mm. Yeah, I found the reality was quite different. So I pivoted and in, in, um, at uni and and went into accounting. First job I got was um, our, the prime minister of the times old firm, uh, Kendon Mills, Muldoon and Brown. And any Kiwis out there old enough to remember Rob Muldoon, yeah, he, it was his his old firm. So it later became Kendon Cox and Co. and then that. Uh, I think merged into KMPG later on but Mm. I remember one of the partners there um, his name was Paul Preston and uh, he had a an influence on my life Uh, it was my first full-time job and uh, that sort of stuck with me and I probably didn't appreciate just how big a much influence that that um, he had on me until I sort of look back in later years and Mm. him and another one Ray Hancocks when I, I moved to Hamilton and a firm called Pete Marwick, Pete Marwick Mitchell, and that also uh, merged into KPMG because it would be rude not to. I think everybody, Obviously. To, all the main firms <laughs> were merging back then. But um, Ray Hancock and Clive Cleland were two partners that took this young accountant under their wing, and and um, and um I think there's a lesson there that, you know, they would throw work at me that was above and beyond the, the routine uh, bean counting mm. um, of, of just normal compliance, and I didn't have a – bloody clue what I was doing but they were there as mentors. And yeah, I'm grateful for that because it showed me another side of chartered accounting. Mm. Yeah, that sort of set me up for later on, I guess.
0: And can I ask you there, Barry, I, I, I love that in terms of finding these two mentors or, or they found you. And you said the impacts that they had on you and, and and the lessons that you learned. And I know there are thousands now of listeners around the world here of Make It Count that, that may be quite early in, in their accounting career. And what kind of of
1: insights or, or lessons did they teach you okay well don't be scared to take on a challenge i think is was what i learned because um i remember one assignment that um ray hancock threw at me as they had a um a caravan manufacturing client and they were losing money and they didn't know what was going on so they contacted ray to see if they could help and he brought it to me and and I'm only a junior accountant, and I've got no bloody clue. I don't, know, don't even know where to start. Mm. And he didn't spoon feed me, and I think that's that's a sign of a good leader. Mm. Don't spoon feed people. Make them think. So he says, look, here's the problems that the client out, has outlined. Go and have a think about it and come back and tell me what you think we should do. Mm. So um, armed with that, I had a look at the, the figures that were available to us at the time and, and um, had to think about it. I came back with a short list of what I thought we should do which involved actually spending a week out at the client so I could actually be immersed in what they're doing out there. And he said, fantastic, go do that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, you basically literally had to wing it, mm. um, but you always knew that they were there as backup if, if the wheels fell off mm. or if you had to ask for help, you could. But definitely, that was really good. And, and so it does take you out of your comfort zone, mm. but that's the only place we can grow is – You know, as you eloquently have written in in, in your book that I've been reading. um, Well, it's very kind of you to to, to mention that. that
0: Exactly. It's very kind of you to, to mention that. Barry, totally unprompted, that that starting at zero by Freddie Bedder is available now on Amazon and uh, at all good bookshops everywhere. But uh, but it's not about me. It, it, and you should read it, everybody. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> it, it's not about about me and my story. You know, this is about the story of, of of not only yourself, Barry, but I think also thousands of accountants around the world. And, and I love that point you made around don't spoon feeding people because I I'd love to get your view on this. But I think we see in in accountancy, and, and maybe in life as well, as leaders, as, as, as client managers, as accountants, we, we say to ourselves, look, it's just easier if I do it, or I'll just show you how to do it, I'll spoon feed you, or I'll just do it myself, it'll be quicker, it'll be, we look for that short term comfort of what will give me the quick mm. fix. Spoon feeding is fine, but yeah, but you never You're a hundred percent Yeah, exactly. You never learn and I'm trying to create a metaphor on the fly here. If you're spoon feeding someone, they will never get to enjoy the banquet in the future because it is only when days are difficult, it is only when we are there on the precipice thinking, Oh crikey, I need to somehow fix this mm-hmm. problem. That is when we learn about ourselves. That is where we understand what we are truly capable of. But it sounds like that was a really key
1: learning point in in your career as well. Absolutely. And the bosses, I won't call them leaders, (laughs) bosses that spoon feed or give instant answers to everything Mm. or just say, bugger it, I'll do it myself, enable bad behavior. They weaken their people. Mm. They're not leading. And um, it's like before a beautiful butterfly emerges, they start in a chrysalis and it's a struggle. They have to fight to get out of that chrysalis, mm. but that struggle builds strength in their muscles, and when they come out, they're able to fly. However, if you see that struggle and you come along and you carefully pick out the pieces of that chrysalis you know to help them in their struggle, mm. the butterfly that emerges doesn't have the strength to fly. So good leadership makes people think. Send them away. Come back with a solution. And then point them in the right direction if they're going off on a tangent, but let them figure it out. Make them figure it out.
0: That is amazing, Barry. You know what? I never thought we'd be covering butterflies within the first ten minutes of this past of this uh, of this. I never thought we'd be covering butterflies in the first ten minutes of this podcast. But um, but there you go. That's the chaos theory, isn't it? When a butterfly flaps its wings in in the Bay of Plenty, it creates a hurricane in, in in. california or ever geography not being my (laughs) my strong point despite having a geography degree of all things but you're absolutely right barry good leadership gives people the structures the boundaries the knowledge the mindset the habits to succeed but people can't succeed in a vacuum they have to go out there as i always say it's you can't read a book about press-ups a leader can't give a lecture on press-ups the person has to go to the gym they have to start taking the mm. difficult, uncomfortable action. And I would also even actually build on, on your point that the good leadership doesn't just make people think, it also makes clients think. And I think you've highlighted how powerful accountants can really make a difference for their clients. Mm. Because yeah, clients go into into client meetings with accountants and they're kind of they're going, yeah, I know what it's going to be. I've heard it all before. You're going to talk to me about the numbers and blah, blah, blah. But if if that accountant can really be a leader, but if they could lead the client, if they can give those powerful insights and the wisdom that really make the client think, mm. that is how you build a truly powerful trust-based relationship.
1: Absolutely. Actually, the best accountants and leaders have one thing in common. They ask the best questions. Definitely.
0: And that's a key to sales. And I talk to so many accounting firms about sales and selling advisory work and so on. It isn't about scripts. It isn't about being slimy it's not about being persuasive it's asking powerful questions if you want better outcomes then you need to start asking better questions
1: yeah 100 percent.
0: so let's let's go a bit a fast forward now in the barry white saga so so you've started off in the accounting career you've got these great leaders the great mentors propelling your career forward how did you start to to, to make the shift uh, as we said in the introduction towards business ownership mm. and then obviously we'll come on to the outsourcing side of things
1: um i'll move back to teams on the coromandel it's where i grew up and um had an opportunity arise you know i worked for a guy called barry price mm. accounting firm in teams. great guy barry and we got on really well and i learned farm accounting nice so that was a, a new area for me It was great. But I think what came out of that is I learned something about myself. I'm not designed to be a robot sitting in a back room processing accounts Mm. um, day in, day out. That wasn't my strength. I mean, I could do it, but I hated it. Mm. (laughs) And um, what I actually liked to do was um, talk to clients and to help and to make a difference. So that was my Mm. passion, I guess. So realizing, of course, that the um, accounts still have to be done I thought, well, the only way that I'm going to be able to get more into that and have some autonomy was to go and do my own thing. So I always had a bit of a bent that way. So a business came up in Cambridge. I acquired it. Yeah, so that was um, working for myself. It was uh, 1989. I wasn't a, a practice. It was a bookkeeping accounting firm in Cambridge. And once my CA public practicing certificate came through, I turned it into a chartered accounting office and yeah that was it was awesome and I got to understand operating a business from the, the most detailed level. Mm. It went quite well. so that gave me a passion for helping people and exposure to a wide variety of businesses and and um, eventually sold the practice um made a decision by well, now I'm having children and we wanted our children to to grow up in the coromandel mm. and it got a bit tiresome commuting one hundred and twenty kilometres up to the Thames coast in Cambridge every day so I sold the practice and went back to the Coromandel. And so I kept a handful of clients and started to build a consulting firm. And then from consulting, I started a high-performance car parts business. I think we might have been the first mail order race car performance parts business in the country and started cataloging and bringing new technologies and that sort of stuff because it was a passion of mine. Mm. And then what I ended up with is I was having two full-time jobs, really, Because a business works without you, and um, if the business doesn't work without you, you're still in a job. So I was self-employed, and there were two full-time jobs. And I guess, you know, when I look back over my life, I've packed several lifetimes into what I've done. And and, and in that, there's a story of the good, the bad, and the (laughs) ugly. Starting with the ugly, I, I was on the verge of a breakdown. I look back at it and I thought, well, holy shit, I've probably averaged 70 hours a week for the last decade. Mm. It's not sustainable, you know. I was kind of like a, an early bird and a night owl, which made me wise, but it gave me mm. worms. So, <laughs> you know, in a, in a toxic relationship at the same time, you know. So to be honest, I went through a phase of 24-7 mm. conscious moments feeling my life force ebbing out of me I actually felt I was dying. It's hard to describe it if you haven't been through it and I knew that I had to make a change. I had four beautiful children that I adored and I wasn't going to be around for much longer unless I made a change so I decided my children deserve to have a father. One of the changes I made was if I stopped working such long hours would anybody die? Mm. Well first of all I'd survive I wasn't going to be good to anybody dead. Mm. It was a pretty simple switch. So, um, you know, conceptually, it's a harder one to make in practice because you sort of, as an accountant, wanting to help everybody and you got a business depending on you, you, you think, oh man, oh, it's, it's, shit's going to hit the fan. Let me tell you, I made that one change where I just worked normal hours and what didn't get done by 5 o'clock was too bloody bad. Mm. But what it did make me do was focus on what did get done between 9 to 5 and make sure that you know the important things got done and and um the other stuff it didn't and too bad. Mm. And and life went on and 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 the business didn't suffer. And in fact, if anything it got better. So that fundamental shift was necessary for my health. It was the best thing I ever did. And so, you know, from that, I think the remainder of my life, even through some of the horrendous decisions I've made and fuck ups, there's also been some tremendous successes and it's come from, I think, focusing on what matters most. So between times when I'm not procrastinating uh, <laughs> by working smarter rather than harder, I've also achieved a few things So and had some awesome experiences. So if I could shout out to any accountant out there listening right now that's under incredible stress, I do understand. Yes, it will kill you. So do something about it. Don't wait for you to have a stroke. Don't wait for a heart attack. Do something while you can do it consciously. And it's not that hard. You just take action.
0: Thank you so much for, for sharing all of that, Barry. And I know what bravery and honesty it takes. So um, so yeah, a huge thank you. I know it's, cause I have been there and, and I know how difficult it can be to, to share. And I also know because I've been there, I've been sat in the office. And it, it's that feeling when you feel like you're drowning, you feel like you just want to scream and then it feels like your life is falling apart and you can't sleep you can't focus and it does just feel like you're falling off the edge of a cliff and and mm. so as, uh, as as we both know I've, I've been there but I'd like to unpack a few things there if you're comfortable doing so first you go right the way back to, to something you said when about playing to your strengths when you were you were sat there in the small office and you were saying oh you know I'd I'm not playing to my strengths right now. I want to follow my passion. And then the journey went, as you described. Do you ever stop to think about what life would be like if you hadn't said, I'm going to follow my strengths? If you'd stayed there in that office doing the job that you weren't passionate about, but you felt was the sort of thing that you should do or have to do?
1: I would have hit the pivot. There's a quote old out of a book called uh, Time's Up by Paul Dunn, Ronald Baker. It's a fantastic book, and and anybody with an accounting practice who wants to be a progressive accountant and have a progressive practice, I think should read this book. It's fantastic. There's a quote there. It says that forcing people to account for their time in six-minute units is actually coming close to killing them. Mm. I absolutely swear by that. That's that's what I, I can walk into some practices and it's just like a, a morgue. Definitely. That's not what human beings are designed to do. Not for, not this human being anyway. No. And, uh, yeah. you know, like you, you said in your book, you know, we're not robots and that's so true. Mm. You know, so what's the alternatives? Well, value pricing, you know, like bringing value to the lives of the people that we help and serve, that gives it meaning. Yeah, But the value doesn't yeah. necessarily have it. Um, a direct tie to time. What would you call it? A, a value of customer or client love is a very real, I think, objective because you have clients who want to come to you. They want what you've got, mm. and that's why they're there. And they will pay for it, and they'll keep coming back. What you do for them has a value. It's got nothing to do with the time per se. Yeah, being locked into that story times every six minutes would have been the death of me. It just wasn't sustainable.
0: Totally understand that, Barry. And I was reading a great piece just the other day, and they were saying, strangely, the accounting industry is the only industry, it seems, where the person with the problem has all the power. So the client comes to us with a problem, they have all the power because we give it to them. Clients, they're everywhere. Clients' problems are everywhere. The two things that are very scarce are time. the expertise of the accountant those are the two scarce resources but we give all of the power all of the status to the client and their problems and their money Mm. and we know clients and their problems and their money are obviously everywhere and i want to carry on as i say barry with with your story because it's interesting i find and again because i've been in in those positions myself when i said look this isn't me i don't like who i see in the mirror anymore because i am not living true to myself my passions my authenticity and my values Mm. so the hollywood version of the story goes we have the moment we see the light we make the change we follow the passion Mm. and we just go off into the sunset and we say ah that was the best decision i ever made but as you've just said to us we can follow our passions as i have in, in the past as well and yet we bestow upon ourselves more stress, less sleep, more arguments, more relationship breakdowns and failures. And we're like, hang on, what's happening here? Hang on, I, I thought the deal was I follow my passions mm. and my dreams come true. That's how that's the Hollywood version of this story. But as you show, it doesn't happen. And <laughs> and, and, and my my question for you on this, and, and looking back and the journey that you've been on, are well, twofold. One. When did you really understand that you had to make a change? When was that feeling when you like, I call it hitting the, um. I can swear it's my own podcast, I can call it hitting the fuck it button. When were you like, I can't do this anymore? <laughs> was there a particular moment?
1: I think the realisation that I wasn't going to be around much longer. Mm. I, I, I either made a decision, decisive decision right then, or I, I waited until the decision was made for me. Mm. And frankly, I should have made the decision earlier. But where I was at the time, it took me to get to that point. So, yeah, I mean, to your point about following a passion, yeah, you know, I've done that. But I would temper it with this: following your passion is a good way to turn your hobby into a job. I love that. So there has to be some common sense behind trying to make a career mm. out of following your passion. I mean, I've been to America to follow a lifelong dream of building supercars. Mm. I had a business plan. I had millionaires. Um, look over the plan and right behind me mm. and it was a complete fucking disaster <laughs> it was a person I went into business with over the states it wasn't who I thought they were and I'd spent about a year checking them out you know that's another story but I know all about putting everything on the line to chase a dream mm. and then watching it crumble in front of you and there's not a damn thing you can do about it but that's part of life I also know what it's like to live what I have dreamed and you know to be lying on the Adriatic outside the Dubrovnik Palace and, and sunbathing there beside the beautiful, mm. clear ocean and knowing there's well into five figures going into my bank that week because the business was working and I wasn't. Mm. Uh, I remember that's the most wonderful feeling I think I'd ever felt is just I finally did it. You know, that, that's fantastic. What a feeling that was of freedom.
0: Well, we talk about the three freedoms, don't we, with uh, you know, time, freedom, Money, freedom, and yeah. mindset freedom. Yeah, is that when you were just like Barry? Yeah, I don't... Barry, me old son. Obviously, not in an English accent. Barry, me old son. We've we've made it. <laughs> we've uh, we've done it. And um, yeah, and, they, and I know it makes it. It's like when you turn left on an aeroplane. Once you've done it once, you kind of you want to chase that. Feeling again, and you want it again and again, and um, absolutely,
1: yeah. So I lived the dream, man, and um, but unfortunately, wasn't smart enough to hang on to it. <laughs> but it's—I
0: I fully believe, Barry. It's about these learning experiences, and you mentioned uh, the individual in the US who wasn't who you thought they were. That again, I've, I've, we've all been involved with those people, but I believe it's those people who turn out to be not who we think they are that actually helps us to discover who we really are. Um, because I believe that is a lifelong journey. It is only through these mm. failures, these wrong terms, these U-turns, these betrayals that we truly learn about ourselves. And, and I always say that the best of us are failures. It's only the worst of us that never fail at anything, because mm. if we don't try anything, then we don't fail. And if we don't fail, then we're still stuck there in that quiet office in the corner, living those, those lives of of quiet desperation, thinking if only mm. I could change and then not having the courage to do so. So yeah. I hugely salute you, Barry, for, for everything you've done on this journey. It is truly inspirational because you wouldn't have this plethora of, of experience if you'd never tried. All you would be left with is a life of regret,
1: which is, is something that nobody wants. Oh, absolutely. No, I appreciate it. And I, I'd like to actually say also that chartered accountants, I think, undersell themselves. I don't think they realise the real, well, the, the depth of variety and skill sets that they mm. have because of the exposure to so many different businesses that they have with so many clients. They wear so many hats in a day and blah, blah. And I had a little stint into the corporate world. It was only a year. Mm. And in that year, we put a million dollars on the bottom line, team effort, obviously. And that's not because I'm super smart. You know, I'm, I'm really not. I think it was because of the chartered accounting background Mm. um, gave me a perspective that if I'd gone into the corporate world, I wouldn't have had the same common sense, I guess, Yeah, because the corporate world has a different culture does. you tend to do what your predecessors did and follow on and whatever. But I got into this company and it was in its worst year, had a long history. It was a good company, engineering, foundry. The general manager at the time showed me a letter of resignation he had sitting in the drawer on standby. And it was a part of a big group that was owned by Merchant Bankers in New York, and they all tend to operate on medium-term plans, which um, aren't good for long-term, especially mm. in, in when it comes to preventative maintenance and stuff like that. They were using the money that had been accumulated over a period of years as a offset debt in other parts of the group. So, you know, we had a ludicrous situation of, of a lathe a turbine from the Carapero Hydro Dam was sitting on a lathe, And they couldn't turn the lathe because it was missing a $20 part. (laughs) And we're on a stock credit. And so I walked into the situation and I'm thinking, the $6 million in the bank and we're not allowed to spend it. You know, we're having to send cash flow forecasts and everything was controlled on a day-to-day basis. And I asked some questions and I went to the suppliers and I said, you know, how long have you guys been strung out for? And they told me, I said, so if I cut you a check today and promised you that from now on, Every time your invoice arrived, you get paid on the knocker. What would that be worth to you? And um, they told me we totaled it up. We're talking six figures Mm. in savings and discount that they would give straight away. They were just so relieved to hear that this could be possible. I went to the general manager's office (laughs) and I said, mate, look at this. If you can cover my back here, let's just let all the checks go. We'll cover pay everybody right down to the smallest tradie. That's how we'll operate from now on. But I need you to cover my back because I'm going to get a phone call from group's head office and, and they're going to be really angry. <laughs> 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 so I just played stupid as oh, I'm the new boy in town and don't know how it's supposed to roll. But, you know, it was just common sense. Mm. And yeah, that's what we did. The suppliers honoured their word. They gave us discounts. We paid them. Yeah, I got around everybody, there's 140 people, and I just walked around the whole plant systematically finding out what everybody did and got an understanding. And then when the things started, the lathes started to turn and businesses started to come back, everybody started to lift their head up. Mm. That's just a small thing like that can be a catalyst to other things. And then the general manager has got his motivation back. So he goes off overseas, he comes back with a $12 million contract. And We can be catalysts and we don't have to be particularly clever. We just need to look at a problem um, is the way chartered accountants do. Problem solvers, that's what we do and apply a bit of common sense to it. Mm. Any chartered accountant could have done that. Um, yeah.
0: That is the power of accountancy and that is the power that accountants hold in their hands. And, and that's why I, mm. I've i said it hundreds of times and I will say it again right now that accountants are the magicians of the business world. They can do things that other people can't do. They can see things that other people can't see. Yeah. And that's why you're absolutely right. We can't be underselling ourselves because you have this amazing six, seven, eight-figure value that you could add to businesses, and you could literally mm. transform lives. Tony Robbins, mm. he should have been a bloody accountant. He'd transform more lives than uh, mm. and doing his date with destiny events or whatever it is. But, um, but that's another story. About I want to focus on a key thing as well because obviously your role with Connect Outsourcing, and as we've said many times on this podcast, anyone who is in the accounting industry. Uh, Will be well aware that outsourcing is playing a bigger and bigger part on on the accounting industry, on accounting firms, on on the accountants themselves, on on a micro level. Mm. Talk to us more about your role, the the role that the connect outsourcing is is playing. If if any accounting firms are thinking we need to be getting involved in this, or we need to be doing more of this, or changing this, let's go full on. Head on into uh, into the outsourcing game and uh, what we can do with it.
1: Sure. Well, I wished it had been available when I was in practice. I probably would have stayed in the profession longer, <laughs> but uh, it just simply wasn't available. So the best I could do was contract out, which is you know you're paying New Zealand fully qualified people as contractors. It's quite expensive. Mm. Outsourcing is a no-brainer, but even good ideas executed badly don't necessarily deliver what they promise. So mm. the thing that makes me very proud to be associated with Connect is that the commitment to service and quality and being one of the pioneers in the business, they go back to 2006, 2007, which is the really the beginning of outsourcing in New Zealand. There's just been this continuing drive and evolution and made the mistakes, learned the lessons. Probably the, the biggest of them all was COVID, mm. which caught everybody off guard. We were hit with a situation where We have a thousand people in the office, (laughs) none of them who can work from home in four days to do something about it because lockdown was coming and that was a crisis. Um, I was over there as as COVID was emerging and I just got back in time. That probably was the scariest thing, but the best thing that ever happened for us. Mm. What's emerged out of that is that changes that we've made have enabled us to reach a point now, or I guess our superpower, if you want to call it that, is we don't stop until we match the quality of work Mm in-house. And that's not a given with outsourcing because you're dealing with foreigners. It's a different culture. They're not here. They're not locals. They don't know the client. That's an ability we've honed over many years, and now we're at a point we can achieve that on a consistent basis, as long as the client works with us. there's a collaborative thing of working together, mm. but if they work with us, then that's so achievable now. There's no excuse for not achieving it, to be honest. Definitely.
0: Is that a key concern of accounting firms, that if we outsource this The quality isn't going to be as good. It ironically comes back to to one of those things we were talking about at the start, that spoon feeding. Oh, is it just going to be quicker if I do it myself? How long is this going to take to set up? How long is this going to take to explain? Are those key fears that accounting firms have?
1: Yes, but it also sometimes is ignorance because, you know, to be honest, there's net cost and there's total cost. A total cost of making a change is how much is that job costing Mm. to put out. When you outsource versus how much did it used to cost when you did it all in house? So that's what really matters. That's what's important. You could get a very cheap outsourcing model that uses slave labor, basically a switch but you're going to spend so much time in house fixing it mm. up or helping and doing the training yourself. By the end of the day, it's ended up you might as well have kept it in house. Mm. The only advantage then would be, well, it's at least it freed up some capacity. You know, that, that's not a model we. We want to be, and we want to be in where we are low maintenance. We don't require training. We do that. Uh, There may be some specific areas where a bit of help is good, but Mm. by and large, and all the mainstream stuff, we we do all that. So we want to be low maintenance, and and we do a fantastic job on that because we've got resources over twelve hundred accountants working for us now. Yeah, I mean we've got full training programs, top people getting top money Mm. that are leading it. It's a privilege to be working with an organisation like Connect. Definitely.
0: Looking, I suppose, more towards the the future of everything now, and the way the industry is changing with the influx that we're starting to see, or at least the influx of people talking about this topic, which is obviously artificial intelligence. How do you see the industry evolving? And also, how do you see the role of outsourcing either evolving or changing over the next 12 to 24 months?
1: You know, I've been listening to all your podcasts and, you know, there's a unanimous Opinion that's that, that that I've heard coming out, and I and I'd add to that that the future for chartered accounting for the profession it's profoundly bullish. It, it, it's mm. it's exciting. AI enhances what's ahead of us. Fundamentally, the role of practitioners hasn't changed over a hundred years. The tools we're using is have changed, but fundamentally, it's to improve the lives of our clients. Mm. That fundamentally has never been easier than it is now. And with the technology, that just enhances it. So it gives practitioners the opportunity to work closer and to add more value. When I started with Connect four years ago, we had a glass ceiling and it was like, that's as big as we can see the business. you know. So that's mm. our goal. Let's get to that. But we smashed that. We smashed that in four years. So where to from here? Well, mm above and beyond way beyond i think that any progressive firm whether they use us or someone else is going to be outsourcing the margins you can't compete there's just no way that you can make Mm. if you're outsourcing properly you're making good margin margins that you cannot make any other way period not only that you're able to employ based on character personality other skills people skills the kind of skills that enrich other people's lives Mm. rather than technical ability technical ability can be taught but you cannot acquire character personality so instead of having production rooms of people sitting down with their head down bum up no client contact churning, tuning tuning the same thing day in day out at high new zealand hourly rates i think the people will be moved they'll be move up mm. and be able to add value at a higher level to be honest you know, what we used to do, let's face it, we would take grads out of university and then turn them into bookkeepers. That's not sexy. Mm. That's not what grads want to do these days. So the profession has the opportunity to reinvent itself Mm. and uh, that's what it should be doing. If I was in practice again, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd go to high schools. Mm. I would actually get in front of uh, high school senior students and right, hands up. Who wants to make a six-figure income and make a difference in the lives of other people by the age of 25? Hands up. Mm. And then just start interviewing a few of them. And I'd be looking at people that had really good personality Mm. and good attitude, good character, and um, maybe offer a scholarship. Definitely.
0: And I think you make a key point there, Barry. And this I believe, and I, I passionately believe this, for everyone in the accounting industry and beyond everyone not only wants to, but I fully believe deserves to. Everyone deserves to matter. Everyone deserves to belong. Everyone deserves to have an impact. Everyone deserves to make a difference. Everyone deserves to make it count in terms of their lives, their careers, their clients, and so on. And what you do, sir, is is uh, empower that. You are the catalyst. As you say, it is through uh your your knowledge and through connect outsourcing you give accountants the freedom the bandwidth the the capacity to be able to make this huge difference to make it count for their clients and their colleagues alike so that's why I I absolutely love everything that you were doing Barry and, uh, and everything that connect outsourcing is doing as well and we are coming to the end uh, unfortunately of this episode this this was or we're going to have to have a part 2 because I think we could talk about so many different topics but before we finish Barry you know what's coming up now yeah, I do <laughs> we have the one final secret question and if i just pull it up on my on my screen here this the final question for you Barry is what strategy do you use to embrace and strengthen your relationships and also help to enhance the client
1: experience That's a really good question.
0: Well, we don't do bad questions here on Make It Count, Barry. We only,
1: (laughs) excellence is all we do. I have to think of a way to put that into uh, words because it's, um, I don't have a cookie cutter strategy. Mm. I have principles that I operate by and I make them bespoke Mm. for every client or potential client that I talk to. So I guess my strategy would be to get a sense of where people are and meet them where they are mm. because it's it's no good for me to come in bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and outline the path that a superstar has taken to somebody who's just taking that next step mm. because it's just it'll blow them out of the water. They're not ready for that. Definitely. So take them to that next step. Mm. However, when you find somebody that has a mindset that they would just start with a blank sheet of paper, this is where I want to be, what's it going to take? Yeah, meet them where they are. So I guess my strategy is to find out where they are mm. and yeah, meet them where they are. Definitely, give the fish what the fish want to eat, but exactly. within the confines of where they want to be.
0: Exactly, I think you're you're totally right, Barry. We there's always a difference between what we want and what we need. When you're speaking to a client, to a colleague, or to whoever we're engaging with, we'll usually say that we want one thing. But we actually need something else. It's like the person who uh, buys a gym membership because they want a, a beach body. But the thing they really need is is, is a better diet, better nutrition, better heart health and, and so on. But having that ability to understand what people want, but also give them what they need and, and do it in a way that they embrace and that resonates with them is is a true superpower so um so thank you for, for that insight barry and thank you for being part of, of make it count as i say i've truly loved this episode if people want to, to connect with you if they want to find out more about yourself more about connect outsourcing how do they get it get in touch with connect
1: easy just connect outsourcing.com mm-hmm. or .co.nz either way and my email is mm. at connect and would love to hear from anybody who, um, even if you're a competitor and, and uh, <laughs> you know, sort of chew the fat, mm. um, we're all on a journey together. We're proud of what we do and uh, yeah, love the team that we're working with and we love our clients and it's an exciting time in history. It is. We're glad to be part of it. We, we're just enablers, so we enable our clients to shine by getting the work done in the background so they can focus on the things that really make a difference. Absolutely wonderful.
0: Thank you, Barry. And and I totally agree about this being a journey. And the small journey of this podcast episode is now unfortunately over. But the journey for Make It Count, for ourselves, for the accounting industry into this bright future, I think has only just begun. Barry, it's been a pleasure to have you here on Make It Count. We will be getting you back on the show. But for now, thank you for being part of Make
1: It Count. Thank you so much, Freddie. Really appreciate the opportunity and love what you're doing. And you're a breath of fresh air to the industry here. And uh, you're exactly what we need in, the, in New Zealand. So thank you for coming to New Zealand. Well, always a pleasure, never a chore. Let's face it, there are
0: plenty of worse places to be on the world. So I am very <laughs> happy to be here. And yeah, if we can make a, if we can help accountants to to make it count a bit more, then that's always a pleasure as well. Thank you, Barry. And we will see you all next time on the next episode of Make It Count. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's episode informed, educated, motivated and inspired you to make it count for your clients and your business. Make sure you check out the show notes of this episode for the all important links. Please hit subscribe, share it with the world and don't forget to give us a five star review. We love getting feedback on this show and I'd love to hear which part resonated with you the most. Remember, you have got the skills, talent, expertise, and experience to make a huge difference in the lives and businesses of your clients. The days of the bean counter are over. It's time to make it count. I'll see you on the other side.